0: Here. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Good. I'm so glad to see when a service first started there was like 12 people in this room that slowly through the snow people are trickling in. That's awesome. Well I'm super excited to be with you guys this morning and you know I, I keep thinking about this new year that is 2015 and For me, it's a time to evaluate, to look back on 2014, to see the things that I've done, to see the things that I've accomplished and look into 2015 and go, all right, what is this year going to hold? What am I going to get to be a part of? What am I going to get to see? What am I going to see my kids do? Everything that 2015 could look like. And so if you're like me, maybe you've made resolutions. How many of you guys have made resolutions for this year? Great. That's like three more people than who raised their hand last night. Now it is January 4th and I have to ask, and please don't be embarrassed because it happens to the best of us. How many of you who've made resolutions have already broken some of those resolutions? Yep. All right. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, it's the same here. Totally. Like I get it in my head that this is going to be easy, but it's not, right? To look at 12 months, look at a whole year and think that I'm going to accomplish something and set up a goal and goals are good, but 12 years, is—or 12 years, 12 months is kind of daunting. A whole year can be kind of overwhelming to think about when you make a goal but as 2014 was finishing and I looked into this year I had asked God to to evaluate my heart and to look and see what is something that I can do this year that is different from last year to help me be more like Christ and to look into this year with a goal that would see me trying to be more like Jesus and so I prayed and I really felt like God was communicating to me that I've been really busy this last month, especially. I mean, December is a crazy month for, for everybody, between family obligations and different things that take place. A time that should be really relaxing it can be stressful and taxing instead. And I had kids' Christmas parties for the different ministries and leader Christmas parties and being in the kids' program, doing the wrap-up, and then being in the Christmas play a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it just rolls and rolls and rolls, and all of a sudden the, the year is over, and I'm like... and now let's start again and so you may have felt that busyness in this last year you may have felt that towards the end of the year and as i was feeling that i felt like god was trying to showcase to me that nick you need to take care of your time you need to guard your time your time is precious time is fleeting time is a gift that god gives us that we don't get back And so as I began to think about that and to study, one of the things that I I looked at was that my time is important. And how do I spend my time? How do I invest my time? How am I intentional with my time? And I thought about Jesus and the greatest commandment when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what was the next thing? Right, to love yourself and forget everybody else, right? Right. No. No, he said to love your neighbor as yourself. And for me that that's a harder concept sometimes. You know, I can really remember okay, I need to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm not perfect at it, but I know that that's at the forefront of my mind. But when I move out into loving other people, it's really easy to get self-centered and self-focused, right? And to forget that there's other people that we need to be intentional with and invest in. And so I had to think about Paul. Paul was a guy who, when he came to know Christ, his whole life was flipped upside down. His whole life was, was transformed. And a guy who previously persecuted Christians and, and threw Christians in jail and even had them killed was now a guy who was taking the time to go to churches, to go on missionary journeys, journeys to spread the love of Christ across the world. He wrote letters to lay people, pastors, churches, because he cared. He cared that what Christ did in his life was so important that he needed to share it with others. Which brings us to the book of Romans. And that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be in chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And before we get into that, when I think about time, I think about an investment. And for you, you hear investment maybe, and like me, when I first hear investment, I think of the stock market. I think about putting my money in something. And if I'm going to put my money in the stocks, it can be a bit of a gamble because I don't know what I'm going to get back. I'm going to hope that the return I get back is going to be greater than what I put in, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's a loss. But according to Webster's, there's another definition for investment, and it's this An investment is an act of devoting time, effort, or energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. An act of devoting time, effort, or energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. And for me, that translates to time matters. Time matters, and what I do with my time, my effort, my energy, is important. And if I'm going to invest my time into something, I'm hoping that on the other side of it, I'm gonna get something worthwhile in return. And Paul, in this letter to Romans, to the church in Rome, was investing in them. Now, right before the book of Romans, we have the book of Acts, which tells Paul's testimony, his conversion, and also his missionary journeys and everything that took place. And Paul was a guy who was in shipwrecks, who was thrown in prison, who was beaten, and on the verge of death a lot of times. And all those things in various forms kept him from getting to the church in Rome. And so he had a desire to be there, but until the very end of his life, he never got a chance to go. And so as he writes this letter, as we're going to see here in the intro he's talking to the church in Rome about how much he wants to be with them so let's take a look we're gonna be in starting in verse 7 to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be His holy people grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles. So right there in that intro paragraph, uh, as he's writing to the church, he's telling them, I've always wanted to see you. I've always wanted to be with you. And until now, there's been things that have kept me from getting there. But there's a couple of things you guys gotta know. What Paul describes is what we're gonna be looking at this morning, that our time matters and what we invest our time in is very important. And so if you're going to invest in another person, investing in others is an opportunity for teaching. Right off the bat, Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. He's heard the stories. He's heard the testimony of people who've come through Rome that these people, their faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. And this is where it gets awesome. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Paul recognizes that if he's going to invest in people, if he's going to be intentional with people, that that means that it's an opportunity to teach. It's an opportunity for him to impart his wisdom on them. See, Paul was a smart guy. Before his conversion, he was a Pharisee, and so he knew the law backwards and forwards, in and out. He knew when people were doing the law, when they were against the law. He was a smart guy. And here he's letting them know, guys, when I get to see you, I have something I want to tell you, something that I need to teach you, something that I want to leave you with. Because I care enough about what Christ has done in me that the love of God has been so transformational that you guys need to know it, that you guys need to live it out. And I have something I want to teach you. Investing in others is an opportunity for teaching. As a children's pastor, when I think about teaching, obviously I think about kids. I think about what I get to do over there in the red room with the kids, and the the Sunday school teachers we have, and the leaders we have, and people who invest every week in the lives of the kids of this church but for me and for those leaders we're with kids like three hours a week tops and that's not a lot of time to impart spiritual gifts to children it's a great amount of time we have a blast and we're able to teach and learn and grow together but it is not a lot of time each week but if you're a parent or a grandparent, and you, you see kids or you invest in kids in some way, you know that it, as a parent, that the time I have with my kids is so much greater than the time that they have with their youth leaders or their Sunday school teachers. And kids can be crazy. Kids can be crazy. And they can make us kind of crazy, right? Okay, we're gonna be honest, right? We're gonna be honest. Kids make us crazy. Sometimes it makes it feel like this. This is a jar of marbles, and sometimes it feels like kids make us lose our marbles, right? Okay. But this jar of marbles is important because what it represents is something greater than feeling like kids are crazy, something greater than feeling like I've lost my marbles. A few years back, I was reading this book about children's ministry and youth ministry as we were making some changes to what the kids' program looked like. And I stumbled across this program called Orange by a guy named Reggie Joyner, and it's a children's and youth ministry program. And the concept is that you have the light of the church, which is yellow, and the love of the family, which is red, and when they work together, they create the color orange. And so you have the church supporting the families as they raise their children in the love of Christ to be more like Jesus, working together, and you have that color orange. And he wrote a book called losing your marbles. And probably like you, I thought originally of being like, oh yeah, kids make me crazy, I gotta read this book because it's gonna help me understand that. But it was different. Because what Reggie Joyner wrote in his book was something like this, several years ago, we handed out jars of marbles to parents and to leaders who work with kids and teenagers. There were 936 marbles in each jar. 936 is the estimated number of weeks between birth and high school graduation. Parents and leaders were challenged to reduce the number of marbles in the jar to match the actual number of weeks they had left with each child. Then they were given a simple assignment. Remove one marble each week. Over time, the practice of losing marbles had a strange effect. It reminded them to value their time. It made each week matter a little bit more. And it reinforced a simple principle. When you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time you have now. And all of a sudden, this concept of losing my marbles meant something greater that the time that I have with my kids if I'm gonna invest my time intentionally is very very important I have 18 years to showcase the love of Jesus to instill in them the faith that I have so that way when they leave the home and they go to college and they're faced with their own conflicts and decisions and choices that Lord willing they will walk that path of righteousness that I've been blessed with because they've seen it every day in my life. That an opportunity I have to teach them will impart with them some spiritual gift like Paul writes about. Now, for some of you, you might be thinking, oh man, I don't know if I can find 936 marbles. And that's okay. Because they created an app, and it's totally free. And this is what I use because I'm forgetful. And every week, if I had to remember to take one of these out, I'd mess it up. But it's called the Legacy Marble Countdown. I wanna show you guys how, how, just how real this looks. You click child and you put in their name and their d- birth date or graduation date and it brings you back an estimated amount of time that you have left with your kid. And this is the time I have left with my daughter Zoe. 694 weeks. It started with 936 and I have 694 left. She's a little over four years old which means if someone in here is close to 14, that's about how much time I've left with my kid. 14 years until she's 18. Fourteen years left to show her the love of Jesus and to impart in her the way of everlasting, that she might know Jesus, that she might know that I care enough about her, that the time between work and the busyness of life is important, and so I invest in her. My son Joaquin, he's a little over two. I have 746 weeks with him. And the number keeps going down. And it's fleeting. Time is fleeting, but it's so precious. And when I'm reminded about it, I know that I can do something each week that is intentional in their lives. Reese Carlos, he's the youngest. He's four months, and I have the most time with him. 903 weeks. But to watch that number go down, to see him get older, and knowing that what i do matters each week in the life of my kid it is so important and it doesn't matter if you have kids or if your kids are grown or you have grandkids or you don't have kids at all because when we look at time as a gift from god that we don't get back it makes us realize that our time is important and who we're going to invest it in our friends our family our colleagues the relationships that we have if we're doing it for the glory of god it's got to be important that it's an investment And so, investing in others is an opportunity for teaching. But it's also going to lead to a life of mutual influence. Investing in others will lead to a life of mutual influence. Let's look again at verse 11 and go into verse 12. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I feel like paul hits it on the head there that relationships are not just one-sided when we invest in somebody else when we care enough to to love somebody else that that love is oftentimes reciprocated now for paul in this church in rome he knows that between their faith and his faith if there's an issue going on they might butt heads about it, but they're going to work it out because they're brothers and sisters in Christ and they care enough about each other to call one another to the mat, to encourage one another, sharpen one another to be more like Christ. And I can't help but think about Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And the concept that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are there to encourage one another to build one another up to challenge one another because our goal at the end of the day is to be more like Jesus and when we see a brother or a sister struggling to walk alongside them to pray for them to care for them that's the mission when I was in college my, my best friend Kyle Stambaugh he and I were roommates freshman year And i got to be honest, I was not the best person when I I graduated high school and went to college. I went to Moody Bible Institute, and I had an idea in mind of what I wanted to be. But my mouth sometimes flaps faster than my brain can think. I don't know if you're like me at all in that way, but I say things, and I don't think it through, usually. I remember being a freshman in college and and having this air about myself because I thought I'm away from mom and dad and I can do whatever I want and I'm, I'm so much better than everybody, which I've learned the hard way is not true, guys. So, please, that's not how I feel now. But my freshman year in college, Kyle and I were hanging out with a group of people on our floor and it's a guy's dorm and I was really angry. I had a lot of anger in my heart at at someone who was on our floor, and they did something that just, I flew off the handle. And I was just in the middle of, of tearing them a new one and just being totally angry and upset. And before I could even finish, Kyle called me out. He said, Nick, you do not talk to people that way. You do not say those things. Like, what's the matter with you? And if you've ever had your hand caught in the cookie jar and the feeling of just your face getting red and the shame and the guilt and knowing that I've done something wrong, I mean, that was textbook for me in that moment. And to have a friend who could say, Nick, if you want to be more like Christ, that's not the way you act. To be encouraged in my faith by someone who invested in me. Every time that I want to say something and my mind is still catching up the thought of Kyle calling me out usually comes to the forefront and reminds me to think before I speak and that's because he cared enough to help sharpen me you know when they put a sword in the fire and they're beating it into shape it's a it's a it's a hammer a giant piece of metal that they're pounding into the sword to get it into the shape and the sharpness it needs to be and it's not an easy process sometimes it hurts and if we're gonna encourage one another invest in one another sometimes it hurts but if we truly want to see each and every one of us be more like Christ through the pain through the loss through the love through the success through the failure we need to be mutually encouraging one another as we use our time intentionally to invest in others investing in others is an opportunity for teaching it will lead to a life of mutual influence but it can also be rewarding. We know that, like I said, with the stock markets, you put in an investment and sometimes you take a loss on it. And you don't get the return you were hoping for. And we know that people can let us down. We know that people can hurt us, that there can be uh, failure and fault, and, and we can be bothered by that and that we can lose friends. But we know that it can also be rewarding. And in Romans 13, Paul talks about that. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. See, Paul's mission and goal still ultimately is is for the harvest, to see people come to know Jesus, and using his friendships and the, the relationships he's made in the church in Rome, he's able to establish that, so that way when he gets there, He makes his contacts. He's in his network of friends and people. And he's able to preach the gospel and see many more come to know Christ. The reward that he gets is in that harvest in seeing people loving Jesus, knowing Jesus. And if you had a friend, someone at work that you began a conversation with to plant the seed and all of a sudden this relationship you built at work now leads to something where they start coming to church and they get to know Christ, that is a reward to see that relationship the time and energy and effort you've invested in to produce something worthwhile that is the reward I do not want you to be unaware brothers and sisters that I plan many times to come to you and have been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I've had among the other Gentiles it's all about jesus it's all about seeing people come to know our lord and savior and whether it's with my kids or with my friends or family the time that i take to be intentional and to invest in them is a goal to see them be more like jesus and to have that harvest to know that when they walk out that door when they're 18 or when i'm not going to see them for a few years because they move to another state that the relationship i've built is on a foundation of faith in christ and that makes us brothers and sisters, and that's what Paul is talking about. That I I haven't seen you, but we're on the same page, and I want to teach you, and I want to invest in you, and I want to be encouraged by you, and I want to see the reward of knowing that people are coming to Christ because of you and I working together in this mission. I was at a conference in April, and uh, one of the speakers there talked about Romans sixteen. Actually, at the end of the book. And they talked about how Romans 16 is Paul's end credits list. Okay. And if you've ever been to a movie, what happens when the movie finishes? The credits roll. And that is the point where after spending $400 on popcorn and snacks, you decide to leave the theater. Okay. Nobody sits through the credits. Nobody sits and watches all the credits unless you're going to see a superhero movie and they have like a special scene at the very end. You don't sit through the credits. People don't read that stuff. But in the credits list, you have people who have worked for years hard on this one product, this one visual experience that you're going to witness. And so they might be actors, actresses, directors, but then there's assistants and assistants to the assistants and the people who clean up the trailers that the actors lived in for six months. There's people who cleaned up after animals. There's people who brought food to the actors and food to the animals. There's people who've done it all. And all they get is this little credit at the end of the movie that you've walked out on. Good job. (laughs) But they know that people don't read these, they know that people don't sit through these. That's not what they came to see, they came to see the movie. But these people who've worked hard and have invested in something greater than themselves in this story that you've witnessed are a part of something. They've made that investment. They've put intentional time, effort, energy into this. And knowing that you're not going to read it, sometimes they leave secret things in there. Like this. The views and opinions expressed by Christoph in the film that all men eat their own boogers are solely his own and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Walt Disney Company or the filmmakers. If you didn't sit through the credits, you may have never known that they did that to you. From the movie Frozen, all men eat their own boogers. But that's not a true statement, according to Disney. Nobody reads this stuff. And yet here you have Paul in Romans 16 With his end credits list, the list of people that have made an influence in his life or that he was able to influence himself. People that don't show up in any other part of Scripture are shown here. People that are shown in different parts are shown here. A huge list of people, and I'm going to read it for you, and it's going to seem a little fast, but there's a lot of names. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me greet Ampliitis, my dear friend in the Lord greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ and my dear friend Stacus. greet Apellus, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus there's a lot of Oluses in here greet Herodian, my fellow Jew greet those in the household of Narcissus greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord greet my dear friend Persis greet Rufus, Rufus even made it into the list guys Okay. greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother who has been a mother to me Greet Critus, Phlygon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philogius, Julia, Nerus, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Then he finishes part of that statement of his credits list with this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Every one of you has heard, of, everyone has heard about your obedience. So I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. He's letting the church of Rome know. People have heard of your obedience. People like this. People who have influenced me. In this end credits list, list. People have influenced me, and that I've had a part of being in their lives who've invested in me and or I've been able to invest in, who we've been mutually encouraged by. They've heard of your obedience. And just like them, do not lose hope. Do not lose hope. Their ultimate goal is in Christ. Do not be deceived by evil, but remain strong in the Lord. Who is on your Romans 16 end credits list when the movie of your life closes and the credits roll who is on your list if time really matters if we're going to invest in people to be intentional to leave a legacy of intentionality who is on your end credits list maybe go so far as to say whose list am I on when the movie closes on the life of somebody i know and the credits roll will i sit there through the credits and go that's me god used me in the life of this person god used me to make an impact for his kingdom and his glory in the life of this person who's on your end credits list whose list are you on One night at the conference when everything was all said and done, I was uh, sitting in the hotel, flipping through channels, and I stumbled across um, uh, what looked like a Broadway play being televised, which intrigued me because I like plays and movies and and all types of stories. But I saw somebody who I absolutely think is hilarious, and that's Billy Crystal. And Billy Crystal was putting on a stage production, a one-man show, of a book that he wrote a couple years ago called 700 Sundays 700 Sundays and the little kinda of headline there in a book about heroes about laughter about family one of America's most beloved entertainers takes us home And Billy Crystal talks about his life as a Jew in New York as someone who grew up with a father who had to work two or three jobs so much so that six days out of the week his dad was working and Sunday, Sunday was the one special day where him and his brothers got to spend time with their dad. And everything that his dad did in his life made an impact on him. From the people that they got to meet because one of the jobs he had was working for a record company. So he met Sammy Davis Jr. and Sid Caesar and some of these other entertainers at the time. And there was jazz always constantly playing in their house and people who were over and all Billy wanted to try and do was to make them laugh, to forget about their sorrows and troubles and all of that led to who he was as an entertainer who he is as someone who makes us laugh and that's why we have movies like When Harry Met Sally or Monsters Inc or The Princess Bride because someone took time to invest in Billy's life, his father who made him who he is today but when Billy was around 15 his dad had a heart attack And he died. And at the end of the production, Billy says this, I once calculated that I had roughly 700 Sundays. That's it. 700 Sundays. Not a lot of time for a kid to have with his dad. But it was enough time to get gifts. Gifts that I keep unwrapping and sharing with my kids. Gifts of love, laughter, family, Good food, Jews and jazz, brisket and bourbon, curveballs in the snow, Mickey Mantle, Sid Caesar, Uncle Burns, and the phrase, consider the rose. Can you dig that? I knew that you could. You see, he was a man who, with the short time he had with his father, his dad made such a great impact in his life. And I think about that as a father, as a friend, as a husband, as a family member, that the time that I have given by God is so precious, so fleeting, it moves quick. The fact that we have 363 days or 62 days left of this year is going to go by so fast. But if I'm going to be intentional with my time this year to invest in people, my wife, my kids, the people I minister to and I'm with, and it matters to lay a foundation for the kingdom of God to say, I want to see you be just like Christ. Be the best that you can be for the name of God, for his glory and kingdom. That, that's what I want to do in 2015. That's what I want to see take place in, in my life and the lives of the people that are around me because I chose to invest my wise, my wise, my time wisely. bottom of your sheet of your notes there's a little section and it says write down the name of one person you want to be more intentional with this year i get to work with kids and i give out homework a lot so here's your homework assignment write down the name of one person you want to be more intentional with this year pray for them encourage them and spend time with them you might have a list of people that you're thinking of after this but if you had to choose one person just one that this year you really wanted to be intentional with to share the gospel with to encourage, to pray for to be with for the kingdom of God, for his glory who would it be? and when the movie closes on their life would your name show up for God's glory that you made an impact because you invested your time into them what legacy are you leaving? whose credits list are you on? let's pray Lord we come before you and we thank you so much we thank you that you came to us that none of us deserved your grace and mercy and yet you chose to make yourself a man and to be born a little child to grow up to live this perfect life and to die for our sins so that we might have a relationship with you and because of that because of the love you have for us that love needs to be shared with the world lord we don't want to see anyone anyone not know you god i pray that this year as we look through 12 months 2015 this daunting task of a thing that if each week we could be intentional with our time to make an investment in somebody else for your kingdom and your glory, that we might see a faith that is mutually encouraged, that we might see people be more like Christ, that we might have opportunities to teach them about who you are and to see that reward that is the harvest of their lives being transformed by you. Father, we can just give you so much praise for that. Lord, I just pray that as we leave here, we would remember that the time you've given us is so precious. I ask that we do not squander it, that we would use it for your glory. In your name, amen. Let's go and be intentional with our time this week. God bless.